Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker, and welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know, it's beginning to feel like the worst of the pandemic might actually be behind us. So moving forward, some of those old retirement rules could use a little bit of revision, and we're going to cover that right here today. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker, and I'm a consumer advocate, Steve Siddall. Kevin is a fiduciary. He's an independent, uh, an IAR, investment advisor representative, uh, 30-plus years in the business. And uh, really, uh, you are with Silverleaf Financial, silverleaffinancial.com. Hi, Kevin. What's going on? Hey, you know what? It, it is a uh, is another good day in the neighborhood. Let's say that. All right. You know? Well, I like that. I love that you're. So, I just love your optimism. You are always uh, you know, a you always a, a half full kind of guy. You know what? I think uh, God, I think the day I think the day goes just by a lot more smoothly if you if you have a if you can be a little optimistic. Right? I couldn't um, agree more. <laughs> you know, it's the, there's so much negativity out there, Ugh. and, and uh, you know sometimes you just have to turn it off. Focus on something more enjoyable. You know, go play, go fishing, go, I don't know, play a game of cards or go to the gym, whatever you like to do for fun, go play some golf. Um, you know, but there's too much negativity. And I think there are reasons to be positive. Uh, as we, as I mentioned at the start, you know, in the, in the intro there, that it does look like, you know, knock on wood, like maybe this pandemic is starting to come to an end. Oh, Who the heck really knows? Who- None of, nobody really knows, right? No, but, we don't know. But I like the fact that it's uh, in my rearview mirror. <laughs> it's you know, my, mine, mine as well. And uh, you know, so so I think I think if we look forward, you can see some bright, you know, some uh, you know, bright lights on the horizon. And and some of the things we wanted to talk about, though, you know, as we're getting through this, we're trying to figure out the markets. We know the Fed is going to be raising rates a couple more times. Um, you, you know, and that and that I think that has caused some of the old retirement rules, you know, the old rules of rules of thumb, if you will. Uh, need to be updated. And, right. and one of them, you know, one of the old rules was to make retirement savings your number one priority. And what I'm going to suggest as a new rule to replace that, I would like you to pay off debt. I would like paying off debt to be the number one priority. And the highest interest that you have, for instance, if if you do happen to have multiple credit cards, let's say, 
focus on paying the one that has the highest interest rate first. Just pay the minimums on the other ones and pay the maximum that you possibly can on whatever is charging you the highest interest. And guys, remember, you know, you're paying that interest, you're making somebody else rich. That's what you're doing. I hate, I can't stand paying interest to somebody else. I love collecting it myself, but I hate paying it. Right. And, and I, you know, you know, I think, and, and there's a lot of bankers that have gotten very wealthy because of the interest that they make on credit card and auto loans and home loans and everything else. Oh, sure. And Mr. Drysdale's a rich man. Mr. Drysdale. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's a reference that anybody under 30 has no clue. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bank on it that they don't, you know, but, but you know what? Hey, some of us love those Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, so, yes, we do. <laughs> you know, I, I used to really enjoy those shows and uh, I'll, I'll still, they're still on actually. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> so, but again, I guess my point is, you know, that we had this, we have this image of a, of a banker and, and that, I mean, that, sort of epitomizes it. I mean, not all bankers are bad. I understand that. But again, right. like you said, they're getting rich off of your interest. They're getting rich off of that interest, you know, and, and guys, I, I know a lot of people look at, look at their mortgage and they say, Oh, it's a low interest rate. I got a 3% rate or something, but you know what I would suggest you do. And I would let, really like everybody to do is to bear with me, understand it's not the most exciting thing, but pull out your amortization schedule on your loan so you know how much interest you're paying every month. I'd be willing to bet you if you have a mortgage like most people, you're paying at least $1,000 a month just in interest. Okay, think about that. You know, if 1000 bucks a month or more, some people are paying a lot more than that. Look at how much you're paying just in interest. And I look at it and say, you know, if it's $1,000, man, you, you could buy a new car and you'd still have, you know, I don't know, four or 500 bucks left over. All right? right. But not, and, and don't, okay, maybe that's a bad example because I don't recommend buying a new car. Buying a new car, either, you know, that is the surefire, uh, surefire way to lose yes. your money, right? Because of depreciation. Um, but nonetheless, all that interest that you're paying somebody else could be better used, you know, if you were saving it or you were making it. So my whole point here is try it when when you're planning on retirement. What I would like everybody to focus on is having your car, having everything paid off, really in your fifties. If you could do it by the age of fifty, hallelujah, that's fantastic. I would, I would definitely. Love to see all debt eliminated by the time you get into retirement, though, especially the mortgage. If you're still carrying a mortgage as you're getting into retirement, then I'm going to suggest maybe a downsize. Maybe move to a smaller house and get rid of that debt. All right. I understand there could be a tax deduction there. Depending on, you know, depending on where you live, you might get a local deduction, too. Um, you know, but the, the, the longer you hold on to the debt, the more interest you're going to be paying and the further it's going to be putting you behind in terms of money that you could be saving. So to me, paying off debt is, is uh, I believe, should be the number one priority. Uh, now, bear in mind, if you're, if you're working at a company that you have a 401k and your employer provides a match, then by all means, put in enough to get the match. You know, So if they match, typically it'll be like the first maybe 3 or 4%. Um, so put in, the, put in enough to get your match. And that's where I would stop. I, I would recommend that you definitely, you definitely, you want the free money, right? Of course. Who doesn't? But, you know, yeah, you always want to take the free money, but so, you know, so you put in the money in your 401k to get the match. But beyond that, if you're still carrying debt, I would reallocate that extra money and I would pay off the debt. All right. Oh, okay. One that makes about, sense. You, you know, and, and, and some people, a lot of people look at me and say, well, Kevin, the markets, you know, made eight, nine, 10% a year. And I say, yeah, that's true on a long-term average, Right. But there are anybody that's been in the market for any period of time, you know, we could easily have several years where you don't make any money with your stock holdings. And it, and it all depends on your entry point, right? Like everything it depends on what you paid for. What did you buy? When did you buy it? If you bought the NASDAQ composite in the spring of 2000, 
going back 20 plus years, right? If you bought the NASDAQ composite or the S&P in the spring of 2000, then basically you bought at the all-time high at that point. And in the case of NASDAQ, it took 12 or 13 years, years to get back just to break even to the point that you're making money. Because we you, you just start to get back to break even in like 07. And then, of course, we had the housing recession and that and that mess that we went through for a few years. And then right as you were getting back to break even, the market tanks again, right? And then nice. it took another four or five years before it came back. And so realize that that it can be a long time. Now, by where we are now, the market has corrected. You know, the S&P right now is down in the 12 to 13% range for the year. Uh, NASDAQ is still down over 20%, like 21% for the year so far. Uh, so there has been a correction. All right, but the other thing I want to mention there's a lot of people on TV and a lot of analysts, a lot of brokers will say, Hey, you know, Mr. Client, I think you should buy this because it's only, it's only half the price that it was, you know, earlier, or it's down from 400 bucks and now it's $200. Okay, guys, what, what, wherever it came from, whatever it's down from its high to me, doesn't hold a lot of weight. Okay. It doesn't because, because maybe it was just too overpriced. Maybe it was too high. Maybe the market was crazy at that point. It's never going to get crazy again. Just because a stock was at a level at one point does not mean it's ever, ever going back. And some of these companies, think about companies like Peloton and Robinhood and Snowflake and, and some of these other things that they are trading at huge multiples of sales with no earnings. And a lot of them don't even have positive cash flow. So, so I think that uh, you need to be very careful and, and don't, don't be attracted to a position or a, or, a, or a stock just because it's down from a high. All right. Maybe it should never have been there in the first place. All right. What I want to see is earnings underneath that. I want to see earnings that are growing. Right. And, and the, a stock that trades at a fair multiple. And one of the things we used to talk about, like everyone, a lot of people, I should say, are familiar with price to earnings ratio. Um, you know, how much money the company is earning per share and and what is the, the P.E. ratio compared to the market. So if the market's at 18 times earnings and your stock's at 18 times earnings, it's considered fair value compared to the market. But what you want to compare it to is how fast it's growing. If you got a company growing 40% a year and it's trading at 30 times, that's a fair multiple because the growth rate is so strong. So you want to look at the fundamentals and look at the technicals and make sure those look good and they support your buy, not just because it's down from a higher level. So I got a little, little sidebar I got yeah. on a tangent there. Uh, no, I, I, that makes perfect sense. I like it. And, and you know, I'm hearing if you're watching the business news, there are analysts and people coming on all day long. And that's like the first thing they say, oh, you got to look at this one because it's down from wherever. And I'm thinking, OK, well, if you would told me to short it when I was at the high, I'd be impressed. OK, <laughs> but, but but telling me to buy it now because it's been cut in half, that's not a reason to buy it. That's not a reason why it's going to go higher. You need a catalyst to make it go higher. So so nonetheless, if we go going back to some of those old retirement rules, yeah. you know, one one of them that was out there, Steve, was how your home is a great retirement investment. Boy, that was the and that was the theme. I mean, you know, in the in the seventies, certainly. It's it, it was, you know, and and you know, my brother, one of my brothers, is a real estate agent, and I remember him telling me, you know, put all your money in real estate um, because it never goes down. And well, guess what? It does go down. It does and go down. <laughs> it does go down. We've lived through it. We yeah. saw it. All right. And and the thing is, guys, you're you're in a lot of cases, uh, people's home is their biggest asset in many cases. Um, and I would argue it maybe shouldn't be, all right? I don't think it should be. I think your retirement portfolio should be your biggest asset. And that should be two, three, four times the value of your house, in my view. Um, so I think we got a little bit backwards sometimes. And I think some people, they, I think a lot of folks, they get a raise and they wanna buy a new house 
the wife gets a raise, you know, she wants to buy a bigger house or whoever it is. Every time we get a raise, we, we you should not spend the money, right? You should save it and build it and let it grow. Um, and I think that the problem with a house looking at it as an investment is that the house is not considered to be liquid. Now, now bear in mind, you know, we've been in a market, especially in Arizona, it's been a hot, hot real estate market, right? Yes. Um, just, just like the weather's getting outside. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, so uh, it's been hot all around. Um, and, and we got bidding wars for houses and houses, you know, I sold my house, gosh, a few years ago, I sold, I sold a house and it sold in the first 24 hours. In fact, I had two cash offers in the first 24 hours and, wow. and, and it was, it was boom, done. And of course, then I'm kicking myself because I'm thinking, well, geez, I must, I should have, I should have asked for a higher price, <laughs> um, Maybe, you know, and that might be the case. Um, but, but what I'm saying is don't confuse today's market and today's housing, housing market. And don't think that your house is automatically liquid because it has been, you know, for the last couple of years, because there have been times when it could take several months, if not years to sell your house. I remember when I was a teenager and my parents sold their house, it took them over a year to sell that house. So, you know, there's obviously there's other factors in play, um, but I don't recommend thinking of that house as an asset. You got to have a place to live. I think it's great if it's paid off because that's going to keep your expenses in check. And by keeping your expenses as low as possible, um, you're going to have that much better shot at financial success uh, in your retirement because we all know those prices and those expenses are only going to go higher, right? You know, your property taxes are going higher over time. You know, every you go to the store, you go on a trip, you go buy an airplane ticket, everything is get is going up because of inflation. So whatever level you start at when you go into retirement, just know that 10 years, 15 years, those costs could be 50, 60% higher than they are right now. Well, just look at inflation. That's that's the wake up call. It is, you know, and, and I, I, tell and you I realize what, it's not at, affecting housing, but uh, you know, you, you can make a comparison. Oh, actually, in some ways it is affecting housing. It's affecting housing prices because of higher, let's say labor, higher labor costs for construction workers. It's causing uh, higher lumber costs higher materials costs that go into the building of the house. Um, you know, so, so, so it's, on, on new houses, it's def inflation is definitely having an impact. In fact, I've seen some builders that have actually pushed back new sales because they, they're, cause they're like refusing to pay these high inflated prices and they think the prices will come down when the supply chain uh, uh, loosens up. So, you know, so inflation is definitely something everybody needs to have their radar set on. Um, but you need to, I would suggest everyone take a look at your personal situation Look at the value of your house and then look at the value of your investment accounts, including your 401k, your IRA, your retirement accounts, and, and look, see which one's bigger, all right? Because I'm, gonna, I'm going to advocate, as I mentioned, I think your retirement money, your investment money should be two, three times, four times the value of your house. And I think if you can get yourself in that position, you will have a very, very comfortable retirement. You won't have to worry about losing, out of, losing money. You won't have to worry about the market going down because you'll have everything in place. And if you work with me, I'll be sure to have everything set up and in place. I'll have that income set up so you know your income can't run out, right? And yes. that way you've got all your bills covered. And I think that's a great recipe for sleep at night, peaceful retirement. Well, I think so too. And then that leads us right into the next one because I'm not going to need as much money when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> that's so not yeah. true, isn't it? I mean, I, but I understand people thinking I, that. You know, I understand where it came from, and I've heard this one my entire career, and it's a debate I've had, you know, basically my entire career, because I've always felt that, like, the, the rule of thumb was that you might only need 70% of your income in retirement, and I've always felt that was low, and, and because in my mind, okay, now you've got an extra eight or 10 hours a day, you know, if you're working a full-time job and you've got some commuting time, 
you could say that's like nine or 10 hours a day, right? It is indeed. A half, right? Eight hours at the job, half an hour each way. Maybe that's nine hours. Maybe it's 10 hours. But you've got an extra nine or 10 hours every day. So what are you doing to fill that time? And is it going to be free? Right? Is it going to, it's not going to cost you. I don't think so. (laughs) I think it's probably going to cost you something. I mean, a round of golf is easily, can easily be a hundred bucks. It can, can be far more than that. Um, You know, but if you're, but if you're a golfer, that's an expense you need we need to include in your budget. Right. If you want to travel, I mean, a a flight to Chicago right now uh, on Southwest is $1,300. It used, it was 300. Okay. Typically. Whoa, that's quite a change. Holy cow. Oh, it's insane. It is insane. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it uh, when I, I actually looked it up last week. Uh, and, you know, I, I, me and my wife moved out here from Illinois, so I've gone back there, you know, many, many times over the years. And, and flights uh, typically are in the $350, $400 range. Right. I've gotten some for, for like two, two fifty. dollars uh, Sometimes I, I want to say $450, $500 is probably the highest I've ever paid. And, and now it's north of a thousand bucks. It's absolutely crazy. And, and it's because a lot of airlines have cut back on their number of flights. Some of them have reduced the routes that they're flying. A lot of them don't have enough pilots to fill the planes to satisfy the business demand that they have. And then also you've got a lot of flight attendants that are just tired of all the rudeness and the obnoxious behavior that they encountered during COVID with all the face mask fiasco. All right. And I mean, the, the woman that I think it was a woman that hit a, hit a flight attendant, knocked out her teeth. Yeah. She just, she just got sentenced to like 15 months in prison, I think. Well, yeah, um, that'll that'll do it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I do too. Glad. I am too. Yeah. The, the the rudeness and the obnoxious behavior that some people are demonstrating towards hostesses and waitresses at restaurants and flight attendants, and and the you know the customer serving people, the customer facing people, it's tor- it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know where what happened to to courteous you know courtesy and uh, polite behavior, but a lot of people seem to have forgotten about it. Exactly. And it's a shame, but it but it's but but that's part of what's causing the problem. Like I, me and my wife went to a restaurant recently and it, it was only like half full, but it took us a half an hour to get a table. And, and I'm like, I'm like, why are we on a wait when there's half the tables are empty? And it's because they don't have enough staff. Sure. They can't, they can't hire the staff because a lot of people just got fed up with people being so nasty to, toward them. And I don't blame them. I, I, I couldn't put up with it either. I'm, I'm sure of that. So <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't last. I'd probably be gone the first couple hours. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so anyway, you know, be nice to each other, please. Um, you know, but going back to the income that you're going to need, I think you probably should count on 90% to 100% of your income. I've met plenty of people that tell me they spend more money in retirement than they did while they were working. Because I can see why. Not, you know, yeah, they're, they're golfing all the time. They're taking, they're traveling all the time. Plan on 100%. Plan on get, plan on the same income is what I would suggest. And I think if you're able to do that, you're going to be far, far more comfortable than thinking that, you know what, you're going to be able to, to live on 70% or 75% of your income. Uh, I think it's a mistake because you're going to need to spend money on whatever activities you pursue. And, and obviously your housing expenses and all of those are going to stay the same. If, if you have a car note or car payment, car insurance, medical insurance, all of that's going to be the same. So uh, I, would, I would plan on 90 to 100% of replacement income. And I think if you do that, you should be just fine. All right. Well, I mean, again, one of the things, you know, with the, with the market being as topsy-turvy, for lack of a better word, uh, that it's been. So my inclination is, well, I better get out of the stock market and, uh, you know, move into cash because that's what I do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, and I, and generally speaking, I would say that would be a mistake. You know, I do, you know, I do think that you can, uh, you know, moving some cash in and out 
uh, you know, can be something that's attractive if you're able to time it. But remember, it's not just timing at one time, right? You're timing when you get out and you go to cash. And now you got to time it when you go back in. I don't want to do and, that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, most Cause I, I'll do. choose the wrong time. I mean, I guess that just in human nature, we'll choose the wrong time. Human nature, gener generally speaking, it's it's got it's got a very very low success rate. Most people just can't do it, and and part of the problem, remember, you know, when when you buy or sell something in the stock market, you're you're in you're in a uh, you're getting into a market that has worldwide exposure, right? You've got people from all around the world buying and selling these stocks, all around the world, institutions like big insurance companies and big pension plans, you know, big college endowments. So you're in there and you're trying, you're essentially competing, if you will, against some of the smartest and wealthiest people around the world. And I, I personally, I think that if you're really wealthy, you've probably got some really good resources and you've probably also got some very highly paid people working for you, helping you to figure out how to navigate these markets. So, so the rest of us, unfortunately, we probably don't have those resources. And that's why I think it's important that we stick with the old adages and the old rules, sometimes they do apply. And in this case, it's don't try to time the market, it's time in the market, not timing of the market. And, and so what we wanna do, like we've talked about before, uh, you know, I think when we have a down market like we have now, it's a great time to pull out a watch list, put out a checklist you know, of stocks you would like to buy. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you should be putting together lists of companies that you like in different sectors, you know, not all tech stocks, in other words, a lot of people just love tech stocks. Uh, but guys, there, there's 11 sectors out there. So find, I would suggest, find, find four or five of them that you feel the best about, and then find the best companies you can find within each sector. And I would start there, and then figure out good entry points. If you don't want to do it yourself, if you're not a do-it-yourself, then by all means, give me a call. I'll be happy to go through it with you. One of our most successful strategies has been actually sector rotation this year. So with the sector rotation strategy, what we're trying to do is, is uh, isolate, you know, determine obviously the best performing sectors, the ones that are in favor, have positive sentiment, uh, and to avoid those sectors that are negative. And as I mentioned, there's 11 different sectors, you know, like tech, tech healthcare, financials, utilities, things like that. Um, and, and so I think it's important that you focus, start with a sector, right? Start with a sector, then find the best plays within the sector, and then, and then you go from there, determining entry and exit points, things like that. Don't you? So, isn't that basically what uh, what pure growth is all about? That is a hundred percent, Steve. Yes, <laughs> I exactly thought so. It sounded familiar. Yes, it did, and, and and I'm glad that was fantastic timing. I appreciate that cue. Um, you know what, guys? The Pure Growth Fund is something I started a couple of years ago. Uh, it was actually July, uh, not quite two years ago, of twenty. And, and what I did is I, I just took, I wanted to build and manage a portfolio that um, is 100% rules based. And so what I've done is I'm following the rules that, that have been set in place and that, have, that were essentially discovered by some of the best investors in the world, like Warren Buffett, uh, Peter Lynch that ran the Fidelity Magellan Fund back in its heyday, and William O'Neill, uh, the founder of Investors Business Daily. Anybody that reads IBD, uh, you probably heard of the CAN-SLIM method, which is their strategy, their acronym. It has to do with current earnings, annual earnings, things like that. Um, but they're a fundamental and technical uh, basis for the stocks that come out through the, come through these systems. And so what I'm doing, I'm simply following and copying those rules. Okay. Um, and I took it live about two years ago. I typically have between five and 10 stocks. 
there will be an audit at the end of June or beginning of July that I can uh, show everybody. So, you know, it's got the stamp of approval. I am, I'm happy to share all the data, all the trades with anybody that's interested. Uh, but for instance, in 2021, we had a net return of 35%. Uh, and year to date through today, we, we have now just turned positive again. So, so we actually have a gain just over 1%. It's about 1.5%. Um, but we are positive now for the year. Uh, versus the S&P is still down 12 or 13% for the year. And NASDAQ is still down over 20% for the year. So, and you're I'm not, not <laughs> and, and no, we're no, <laughs> that, that, that this portfolio is not. And, and the reason, like Steve mentioned, we, we were talking about sectors just a minute ago mm -hmm. is because of the sectors that we're in, you know, one of the best winners that we've had that we're still sitting on, by the way, is Apache. Uh, the symbols, APA, Apple, Paul, Apple, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, where did we buy it? Back in, no I want to say November, November 3rd. We bought this on November 3rd. And right now we have a 73.3% profit in, wow. in Apache. Uh, so, and what is one, Apache? Uh, it's in the oil space. It's it's in the oil space. In the oil space. Okay. I thought it was, I mean, I remember there's an old motorcycle called it's, Apache. It's, <laughs> yeah, no, this, yeah, this one's in the energy space and the oil okay. space. Um, it is volatile. Okay. And guys, I'm not, this isn't a recommendation to buy these stocks. I'm simply pointing out how we've managed to achieve a gain for the year. It's because one of our biggest winners is in the best sector being the energy sector. And, and we saw that, you know, obviously last, uh, you know, November when we got into it. Um, and, and so it's worked out really well. Another one is Matson. I've talked about it before. Yes, you have. Similar, you know, M-A-T-X, like X-ray. Um, that's actually a longer term hold. It's one of the longest holds that we've had. In fact, I think it's the longest. This one was, I want to say last July, July 28th, actually, of last year. And right now we have a 41.1% gain on Matson. Um, and so that one, I, I might be pulling the plug on that one. That's in the shipping space. That is a shipping company. Um, you know, and, and you guys remember, I'd suggested Zim, which by the way, I am out of, out. Um, Zim was a great trade. It was a, it was a really nice, uh, made really good profit on it. Uh, we got paid a $17 dividend while we owned it. And in, and in early January, I recommended it at, I want to say 56. Um, it, it made a gain of over 60%. And paid a seventeen dollar dividend. Wow! So that's 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 knowing how to pick them. It, you, you know what we've we've had some we've had some, we've had some good hits, and that's what gave us our gain last year. That's what's given us you know uh, the ability to beat the market this year. Um, you know, but it's not for everybody. It it is a concentrated strategy. Uh, I believe that you need to concentrate a portfolio for outperformance, um, and I believe the opposite diversification. I believe is for preservation. So if you're looking to hold on and, and preserve wealth, you want to be really spread out, right? You want to be diversified. Everything should not be going the same direction in your account at the same time, all right? If, you, if it is, you're not really diversified. You should have something going down and something else going up and to be truly diversified. And, and, but, but to outperform, I think that takes a concentrated portfolio. And so this one that I'm running, it's only between five and 10 stocks at any one point in time. Um, and you know, right now I'm actually sitting on about 15% cash in there, um, because of this jump we've had in the markets the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm holding a little cash to try to take advantage of some weakness. And, and so what I'm going to be doing though, is concentrating on those, you know, on stocks that are performing in the, be in the better sectors 
you know, I'm not interested in trying to pick a bottom or catch, you know, catching that falling knife, so to speak. Sure. So, so, so let's I, talk, can we talk sector rotation again? And, and you said that's kind of been your plan with your own clients uh, going through the year. What, give me the, the 5,000 foot view of what that means. Uh, basically what it means is, uh, well, you first start off looking, you know, identifying and knowing the, and knowing the, I'm referring to the S and P 500. Sectors. Okay. All right. All right. And, and the, there are 11 sectors. There was only 10 for a long time. Um, they added communications a little while back. And, and so you've got, you know, you've got different sectors. So you've got like finance, energy, healthcare, industrials, utilities, technology, communications, um, you know, and, and uh, a few others that I'm forgetting right this moment, uh, transportation. Um, and so what you want to look at is the, the, uh, every company falls into one of the sectors, right? And, and so what I like to do is to get diversification, is to focus on the sectors first. And in other words, the sectors that are working now this year have been like minerals and mining, metals, um, uh, resource companies, and, and, and the energy space. Um, and, and so for instance, natural gas, if you, if you like UNG is a symbol for natural gas, phenomenal performance this year, um, you know, but these are very volatile. And so the, so sector, the sector rotation strategy, what that has to do with is that typically on a quarterly basis, we will rotate into the sectors that are, are, are showing positive sentiment and, and positive, positive action. In other words, they're, they're performing well or they're not getting beat up as badly as the rest of the market. And so we want to go into sectors that are behaving well, that have positive sentiment. And then within that sector, we find the best stocks that we can find to take advantage uh, of the market. So I like to start with the sector first and then go backwards from there. A lot of people, I think, make the mistake. They, they, you know, a lot of people, they talk about Amazon and Facebook and Google and Apple, and, and they're all tech stocks, right? Yes. And, and, and so it's great when tech is working, those, those are great. Uh, but when tech is not working, probably none of them are going to make you money. So, so it's important that you have different sectors. I recommend at least four. You know, right now, probably, probably energy uh, and healthcare would definitely be two of them. Finance gets a lot of attention. You know, but if you're like me and you think there may be a recession coming, I'm not sure finance is the, is the place to be. Uh, but a lot of people are touting it right now because they don't think we're going into recession. And if interest rates go higher without a recession, then finan financial stocks like big, the big banks probably will do well uh, because they make more money on what's called their net interest margin. Um, but if we do have a recession, to me, that, that could be difficult for banks because, um, you know, people will be spending less money. They'll be borrowing less money. And, and so I personally am not recommending financial stocks right now. Uh, I do like healthcare and I like energy are my two favorite sectors. Right okay. Now. All right. Well, that makes sense because those are two areas that uh, are certainly, um, you know, active. Yes, def definitely. Definitely. And, and anybody that's been listening to the show, uh, I come out with some stock recommendations every, every once in a while. My latest one, when, uh, my latest one, was it two, maybe two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, was NVIDIA below 170. And I think it was 165, 166 when we when we did the show, and I want to say it just went over 190 today. Oh wow! So, um, so you know, keep your eyes on these picks, guys. Take a look at them, and take a look at what your broker or your advisor is doing and how their recommendations working. The reason I do it is because I want to build a track record. I want to have evidence that everybody can look at, and everybody can see. Hey, January 6th, I recommended Zim at 56 as before it went up into the 80s. 90 bucks or so. All right. Um, you can see NVIDIA below 170, I suggested. 
today, you know, it, it's, it, it's already up at least, gosh, what is that? Uh, 15% or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, um, look at those, look at those to try to get an idea of, of, you know, the types of things that I suggest and recommend, and then make it, you know, figure out whether, uh, that would be a good fit. That's something you like to participate in. And if it is, by all means, just give me a call. I'll be happy to walk you through the strategy. 800-975-6717, or you can just visit silverleaffinancial.com. You can find out a lot of information there. You can reach out to Kevin directly uh, through the homepage. There's actually a link that you can email Kevin. And uh, of course, there's a lot of other great information on that website. Yes, by all means, guys. And one final thought I want to leave everybody with is if you have any desire to build up a Roth IRA, a great time to do a conversion is when the markets are down. Okay, so if you've got positions that are down that you want to hold for a long term, maybe think about converting it to a Roth because your tax bill is is 10, 15, 20% lower now than it was six months ago. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.